Hello, everyone. Today on the New Challengers podcast, I'm sitting here with the Dreaded Challenger. How are you doing today, Dreaded? Man, I'm doing great. I'm so excited. Oh, you know, you know why you're excited. Do you even know why you're excited right now? Oh, my goodness. I know why I'm excited right now. We got something special for everybody listening. We got something special for everybody. We have Adam Keeps Heart here on our podcast. That's right. The lead designer of Dive Kick and the combat designer for Killer Instinct. How are you doing today, Adam? Mr. Keats. Fine and dandy. How about yourself? I'm you know what? I'm I'm doing a little bit of lion, so together we're dandy lion. So let's just blow this podcast up. That's weird, but all right. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah, it's a little strange, but I like weird, that's fine. That's good, that's good. We'll work with that. So just tell us a little bit about yourself there, Keats. I like long walks on the beach. I don't know where do I start. Where do you want? What do you want to know? <laughs> well, what we want to know right now is uh, what, what was like. The I actually, first... don't like long walks on the beach. Yeah, I'm not a really big fan of. Yeah, it's the sand, man. It gets it gets to you. It gets in the toes. Yeah, it's tedious. Uh, painful. Yeah. So okay, fighting game wise, what was your first fighting game that you played? Like seriously, like competitively, try to get better at. Uh, I guess I was in love with fighting games from the moment that I saw and first played. Street Fighter II, the World Warriors, uh, on an arcade cabinet at a roller rink at a middle school gathering where we would all roller skate. That's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. starts. uh, Yes. I don't know. That game just like entered my imagination and took me over. But I I wouldn't say I was competitive or even like aware of competition until somewhere around Marvel vs. Capcom 1. Um, Mm. That was when I started, you know, trying to get people together at my house for small tournaments, uh, local people in Cincinnati where I, where I used to live and, uh, you know, figure out who was the best. I was like, Oh yeah, it's gotta be me. Obviously I gotta get all these people together and prove that I'm the best, but, uh, I was not the best. And that was, a an interesting, harsh and fun lesson that kind of opened the door to the rest of my life, which was, uh, competing and trying to get better and, and learning all I could about the genre yeah, and that led you to create game of your own and get involved with Killer Instinct. That's very, very cool. So you organize tournaments. That's awesome. We, we do that as well on a much smaller scale than you. But Something very that. close to our hearts. Yes. Yeah, I got out of that game. It's a, it's a tough game. Running, running events <laughs> is tough. I'm sure running events, uh, the size that you're probably doing compared to us, blows us out of the water. We're just in a little simple USO trying to make it work, and you're just out there killing it, but not anymore. Now you're killing it instinctively. Moving on. Yeah, they're just, they're really hard things to juggle. You know, running a major event, I think you could do it, I would call it the easy way. You can, you can put in less money, you can put in less effort, uh, and you can still get it done, and it'll be adequate, you know? But I, I kind of, pour a lot of uh, passion and care into anything I, I do. I want to do it as well as it can be done. And, and when I was running events, I was investing uh, extreme amounts of time, energy, and money into them because I wanted the, you know, the production of it to be as flawless as I could get it and as inclusive as I could get it. You know, a lot of tournaments will only run eight or ten different titles because that's all they can really afford to time-wise. And I would just be like, ah, come on, everybody in. Let's run 22 different games this weekend and figure it out. You know, uh, people liked it. It grew. But ultimately, uh, you know, maybe there's a small conflict of interest with running tournaments for games and also making games in that genre. 
Uh, maybe there isn't, but oh, yeah. you know, people didn't didn't really like that. And to be honest, making games is more than a full time job, and it just didn't leave me any time to focus on making my tournament series great anymore. So I had to retire UFGT a couple of years ago and, and pass the reins over to my good friend Rick, who's now running Combo Breaker here in Chicago. Very nice. Awesome. Very nice. Very cool. Well, if I could ask, um, so when you when you decided that you were going to go into more of the development side, how did you make that decision and how did you, how'd you get started? I would say I decided to be a video game developer at age seven when I first played Super oh, Mario okay. Brothers. The seed was, was planted always, early. Yeah, that's always been what I've wanted to do. But I did not enjoy college, uh, and I was probably in the wrong type of program to get me where I wanted to go. I ended up dropping out. Uh, I went for computer science for a year, which ended up actually being helpful because now I script game content, and I need to know a little bit of programmer logic to do that. Um, nice. But yeah, I ended up you know, kind of aimlessly drifting through retail jobs for a while and eventually kind of in my later 20s got really sick of not having taken steps towards my goal and started to unlazy myself and get my life in order. And uh, mm. I had some good opportunities thrown my way, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, I, I ended up getting an offer to, well, I, see, I, I wouldn't say they were just thrown my way, right? I, I worked to get into these positions, but I was working at Blockbuster. That was my, I was a manager at Blockbuster. That was my last retail job. Wow. And I difference. took that job. Yeah, I, I took that job saying to myself, this will be my last retail job. I will not take another. I'm joining this company knowing it's dying, and I want it to die so that I can force myself to move on, right? Uh, so I started wow. trying to take Talk the steps there. about burning the bridge. Yeah. And showryouken.com at the time didn't have like a, a news feed, a front page blog or anything like that. And they started asking if anyone wanted to write. And uh, I've always been a decent writer kind of teacher's pet English class kind of guy. And I, you know, applied and apparently they gave like 60 or 70 of us accounts to write articles on the front page. And only two of us ever wrote more than one article. Wow. And at the end of it, after after like six months or so, I was the only one contributing left. I was doing like two or three articles a week and nobody else was writing anything. And this was all for free in my spare time, but that got me the job, you know? Uh, eventually That's when it became awesome. time to make that a real thing, they were like, Hey, you want to, to, you know, be the, the main writer for this. And I talked them into giving me the editor in chief title, even though it doesn't really mean anything when you're alone, <laughs> you're just writing everything yourself. But you know, that was my opportunity. The blockbuster thing ended and I was like, I'm going to go in really hard on this, you know, even if it's not, even if it's a huge pay cut and I'm just going to see where it takes me. So I was writing, I was churning out like, 12 to 16 articles a day and they were not great but it was content and that's more content than like joysticks was putting up in a day with their full staff of writers and all fighting game centric so i'm just like hunting down on these videos and all this stuff and just talking to players and trash trying to fill the page with interesting things to read every hour or so uh i wasn't taking days off i was you know in my email and and hunting through Google RSS feeds like 16 hours a day. Just really doubled down on it, working from home, trying to, to make that into something. And I started to uh, get to travel because of that. I still had to spend my own money and everything, but I was able to get uh, a, pre- uh, a press pass to E3. And that was pretty much one of my lifelong dreams as a kid was to just go to E3, you know? 
And yes. now, now I'm there with a press badge, and that was quite an experience. And I met a lot of people, and some of the people I started meeting when I started traveling to these press events are the people who helped me get a job as a developer in the end, particularly Derek Neal, who used to work at Capcom. Uh, he was a producer Ooh. on Third Strike Online, and I, in talking to him at my second or third E3, he said, hey, you know, Iron Galaxy in Chicago, that's not too far from you. They, they're looking for someone who can consult on these fighting game ports they're doing. Uh, are you interested? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Put me in touch. So got in touch with uh, Dave Lang, the CEO of Iron Galaxy. We did a couple interviews, and uh, a couple months later, I moved to Chicago and started working at Iron Galaxy. Wow, that's really impressive, man. That is very impressive. You worked really that's hard to get That's the hustle right are. there. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't stop, right? They they brought me in to be a consultant, essentially, and do some QA. And I just like as soon as I get my foot in that door, man, I'm going to show them I can do so much more. So I started teaching myself all these other things. I had already started working on dive kick on the side. Uh, believe it or not, I'd, I've got about ten years or more of failed side game projects behind me, where I would get my friends together, grab a programmer and an artist, and try and make a prototype with them, and they would just not ever finish. And eventually, when this dive kick lightning in a bottle idea hit us, and I grabbed my two programmer friends and my artist wife and said, let's make this prototype. I don't know how we did it, but we all worked really hard, and we made the prototype, and we made the deadline, and we got the trailer out, and it was really, really awesome to you know get my first piece of work out there. So I had already started making games on my own before Iron Galaxy even picked me up, but I just got in there and showed them what I could do, and... and now I'm getting more opportunities. So, yeah, I'm thankful for the opportunities, but I'm also working hard at them. So, you know, course, hard work and luck are both a factor. Of course, of course. That's what's up. Yeah, very, absolutely. Very humble of you, sir. Sorry if I ramble. No, no, this is, no, this that's, is excellent that's... information you're giving us right now, and we really appreciate you being on the show here. So I guess the, the question I want to ask at this point is you mentioned dive kick. What is your take on the explosive popularity of Dive Kick within the fighting game community? Because when this came up and I first saw it, I kind of thought it was like a parody. But, I mean, it's got it side It is kind of a parody. Yeah, and it, yeah. it is, but it's, there's so much depth in those two buttons. Yeah, I mean, it's a parody. It's a love letter. It's a total accident. Like I said, it's kind of a lightning in a bottle idea that just we thought was silly and we made it to be silly, but then it ended up being really fun and deep as we massaged the, the formula we had thought up and, and figured out that it could actually be a really cool experience and a cool way to teach people some of the important lessons of fighting games without all of the extra weight of learning how to do cancels and, and learning how to block high and low and blah, 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 learning how to do focused attack dash cancels, <laughs> managing oh, eight meters. And, yeah, you know, it, it's yeah. just like... It's a really light version of that mind game spacing footsies thing that anyone can play. And we're really proud of it. I wouldn't say it's explosively popular uh, with anybody, really. It's definitely popular within some subculture of the fighting game community. Uh, it has its own fan base, which is cool. I'm really happy to have seen people compete in it for the last few years. Uh, definitely warms my heart when I see it. And I do wish that people had been a little more... Uh, vocally encouraging and accepting of people who enjoy the game because I feel like the game was bringing in a new audience and a lot of people who were, you know, it's a very fighting game player, FGC kind of thing to just like hate on every game that isn't your favorite game. Uh, a lot of those people were very negative about dive kick and not wanting to get at their events and, and uh, 
I don't know. It's just really? discouraging. You you had an opportunity to bring in new players who, you know, can learn why fighting games are cool from this game, and then maybe branch to one of your favorite games, and uh, you shut them out, and that's not very cool. I can tell you right now mm. that Dive Kick is always a smash hit when we have it in the U.S. So people who never played video games or fighting games before, it's amazing to see people who never played those types of games pick that game up and just learn as they crush the brackets and get better yeah. at the game. And I really love Yeah, I think that. it's... I mean, I, th- I think we made a few mistakes here and there with the game. Maybe a few of the characters are a little too wacky or complicated, like Stream and S-Kill and the Baz. But for the most part, it's a it's a very... Very pick-up-and-play game. You can't really make a bad decision with character selection. You can get in there, and uh, as long as you're willing to press a button, observe the results, and then use that as learning uh, for, for what that button does, then you'll have the game figured out in minutes. Uh, but it, it's true. a strange genre. It's a very strange genre. I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second, because I've been to a lot of trade shows and watched people play a lot of games. I've, I, I watch people walk up to try something like Killer Instinct, and they seriously are rubbing their hand on the buttons and wiggling the stick left and right. And they're not trying to make any coherent connection between what any button does to perform any action on the screen, right? They're just, they just want to see the characters kick and punch each other. Uh, and I've never seen anybody play any game in any other genre like that at a trade show, ever. People walk up to a racing game, they don't wiggle the stick mindlessly and mash all the buttons and hope the car goes, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, why there's such a huge disconnect in how people approach uh, a fighting or a combat game and how people approach every single other genre. Can you imagine someone like trying StarCraft at a trade show and just clicking all over the screen <laughs> randomly and hoping something happens? It doesn't make any sense. It's infuriating. Who, why would you walk up to a fighting game demo station and instead of pressing one button and seeing what it does and then saying, okay, that button does that thing, why would you just rub your hand all over the controller and hope you win? It doesn't make any sense to me i, I don't uh, understand and that's a huge I think challenge. fighting games yeah if, if i could just it's real quick i think it's because sure. with fighting games it's a skill and with others it's like decision making mario so takes some some skill or whatnot starcraft is like about decisions about strategy but like like fighting games like you have to react to what's going on right there it's like a skill as opposed you to you have to react in the other games too if you're in a driving game you have to react to every curve if you're in a platforming game you have to react to every enemy and jump yeah. You know, it's not as as intense because somebody else, you know, some other player isn't trying to kill you with, you know, the utmost ferocity. The <laughs> game is usually pretty gentle as the game starts when you play single player games or whatever. But even in multiplayer games, yes. I've just never seen anyone in any other genre pick up and try a new game that way. I but it's extremely that is a very interesting observations. I know that when I'm uh, in the USO teaching the soldiers how to play, they they button mash. That's the first thing they do. They refer to fighting games as button mashers. And I try yes, to explain. I, well, I don't understand it. I, I don't the, get it. The thing that a lot of the soldiers and a lot of new players are usually trying to do is they want to get that fireball. They want to get that Shoryuken. They want to press the yep. combination of buttons to make that magic happen. They don't want to yep. take the time to actually play the game and learn it. So you have yeah. this whole genre where people all want to play the game like that without learning it. And the people that do know how to play it don't want anybody else to play the game with them, like you were saying earlier. So... Yeah, it's just a very, it's a strange phenomenon. And I think, you know, a game like Dive Kick maybe breaks that barrier down a bit because there's not much to mash and you're going to have to much more quickly figure out what these buttons are actually doing. True. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people at trade shows who've walked up to me and said, hey, 
I never understood fighting games before. I thought they were button mashers, and now I played this, and now I get it. I finally get it. Uh, and I've had people come up to me, like even even Dave Lang. I've had Dave Lang, my boss, come up to me and say, you know, I feel like I've understood fighting games for a long time, but I couldn't actually execute any of the things I understood. And Dive Kick's the mm. first game I've played where I can actually execute the things that my brain is thinking about high-level play. Like oh, that's, man, that's, that's a really deep. special thing. I think that's really important yeah, to getting people to connect yeah. with my favorite genre that most people will passively say it's a button masher because they, they don't want to take any time to understand what's happening. And maybe it's easier to connect yeah. with a running and jumping game because running and jumping are very human or a driving game because we all drive. Most of us drive and we understand that there's like a gas pedal and how you steer and everything. Um, and maybe it's just different with fighters because we're translating something that's very human, which is combat, into something that's very alien, which is like six attack buttons, weak, medium, strong, punches on top, kicks on bottom, and you know, block by leaning away or down away. It's just there's a lot of like esoteric concepts that you know maybe aren't quite as intuitive as they could be. Um, yeah, yeah, I could talk about that for like an hour. The, oh, that is, yeah, wow, that is completely you know what, brilliant, and that's. Sir. It is, and I'm glad we talk about that because that's actually one of kind of part of our mission statement as new challengers is to spread that knowledge of how magic these games are and how to get into them. So I'm glad you bring that up. Yeah, I think most people recognize that, you know, competing against other people, even in like a board game, you wouldn't want to play Monopoly. Okay, let me let me re- revise that example. You wouldn't want to play Monopoly ever. That's a horrible, horrible game. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I was playing you wouldn't it last wanna... night, but okay, please continue. <laughs> you wouldn't want to play like checkers or chess against the computer, like unless you're doing some experiment. It's just not interesting to challenge a machine. You want to challenge oh, a person, yeah. and people know that. And that's, you know, something that can make video games really special is either having to cooperate with or compete against another person. And there is a lot of cool single player games out there with, you know, big adventures and cool stories and whatnot. But there's just something about multiplayer games that can never, ever be touched by single player games, which is the human element. And giving people access to, you know, a one-on-one or a a three-on-three or a five-on-five game that has plenty of human element but doesn't require them to spend years and years perfecting a skill like like most sports do, you know. Um, I think that's really yeah. important to just human nature in general. You want, you want to play football? That's going to take a lot of athleticism and work and understanding to even just be able to play football on a basic level. You can go out and throw the pigskin with your friends or whatever, but are you really playing football the way that you know, kids in high school are playing football and those kids are working really hard yes, they are. just to play the game. If I knew that yeah. you were going to throw so much knowledge at us during this, this interview, I probably would have prepared more adequately by, I don't know, like drinking smart water or something or some type of crazy <laughs> sensu bean or something. Cause just making me think, sir, I like that. I like I'm that contemplative. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. Good. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, I just think there's a lot of room for like there's a lot of lessons to take from all kinds of different things. And I think fighting game design in general has been extremely narrow. Almost everything that's out there is one of like four things. It's either a clone of Street Fighter in some way, Uh a clone of Mortal Kombat in some way, a clone of Tekken in some way 
or a clone of Virtua Fighter in some way. Pretty much everything is one of those four things. And mm. uh, there's a fifth thing, too, now, which is now, something that's... Now a clone of... Yeah. Uh, yeah, Smash counts, too. There are a lot of Smash clones. Smash was probably the first innovative fighting game in a long time when it mm. first came out. And there are a lot of Smash clones that followed as well. So, yeah, we'll call that number five. It's pretty innovative and successful. There are a lot of innovative fighting games out there. You probably have never heard of them because they're really terrible. But they're trying new things. Mm. You know, maybe yeah. those new things were fun, but the rest of the game didn't work. Or maybe the rest of the game was okay, but the new thing they tried didn't work, right? But there's a lot of stuff out there to learn from. And I think a lot of the developers who are trying new things are working on, you know, usually like a Naruto game or an anime game of some kind. And they're not really focused on crafting a competitive experience. They're just trying to make like a fun uh, as you would say, button masher to sell some copies to fans of the anime. Yeah, we're hoping um, we're hoping that Pocket Rumble is successful. Pocket Rumble's fun. Yeah, they their original uh, statement about taking away chip damage and all that and overheads was like, uh, <laughs> oh, careful, guys. <laughs> careful. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 some experimentation going on. There has been experimentation going on for like 15 years. It's just nothing like notable, and. I want to see the people who really know the genre take chances and try something really new. You know, th- those people are going to have much better odds of success. Uh, and you can see a bit of it now with Divekick because I know the genre really well and I tried something really out there. Uh, the dudes who are making Rising Thunder, oh, uh, yes. Seth Killian and the, the Cannons, you know, those guys really know the genre and their odds of success are much higher than somebody else who doesn't really know fighting games who's trying something new. I just hope stuff like that just keeps coming and really pushes the genre to evolve. Uh, Not necessarily evolve or change, but I think there just needs to be more. There needs to be more different ways to play. innovations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think there's always going to be room for, and I don't want games like Street Fighter or Marvel or whatever to go away. You know, I want more of that too, but I want more other avenues to really explore the one-on-one combat space. It doesn't always exactly. have to be the Street Fighter rules of, you know, highs and lows and throws and how you tech them and and all that stuff. There, there's yeah. People should try things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before I uh, ask this next question, I just want to I wanna say rest in peace, PlayStation All-Stars. Okay, moving Pouring on. Pouring one out for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pour that drink out for PlayStation All-Stars. The game did not. Man, I feel like there's a, there's a lot of really good assets in that game that they could probably go back in – you know, six months or so with a small team and, and make a really good game out of. Uh, Everybody, like we told you, they, this is, that, if they that just not turned the it first into a and Smash not the last clone. time we were going to, yeah, I know. It's not the first yeah, or last just, time we were going to mourn PlayStation All-Stars and it's in its decline <laughs> on this if podcast. they just went back like, right now and turned that into a Smash clone and re-released it, it would probably be a lot better than it was. Yep. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Happier subject. <laughs> 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 um, I'm just wanna. We've talked a lot about dive kick, but I just want to ask you about the the balancing process. As you added more characters to that game, was it surprising to you about how much you had to like tweak the balancing? Because I remember the edition edition came out and reading mm-hmm. the patch notes for that, and I thought that was really dynamic because you've got this game that's two buttons, but players on the forum and I was on the forum. I was reading like, oh yeah, we we should have kick do this i mean kick's got a great kick but he needs a better dive and they need this and that and i was like this is really cool i mean this game has something for everyone 
there's not a lot to tweak on a dive kit character. Uh, so we had to get pretty creative sometimes and even like make brand new things like streams, mini missiles. But yeah, I would say at the time when I released that, I was pretty happy with how the balance turned out. But I think long term, there are still adjustments I would make looking back. And that's kind of the the fallacy of art, right? Of any creative endeavor is right. that it's never going to be perfect. And you'll probably mm. always be able to look back and see something you would have changed or done better, especially as you gain more experience and become better at your craft. Then the stuff you did before looks even worse to you in retrospect. Uh, so there are absolutely things I would change. Yeah. You know, and I'm married to an artist. She's a painter and a graphic artist, and she has a hard time knowing when something's done because she just wants to strive for perfection. And uh, it's a fool's fool's goal to try and strive for perfection in art because those little details you're pining over, most people won't even notice anyway. <laughs> but yeah, with game balance, game balance is an art to me. Uh, it's a super delicate art, and I don't think anyone will ever get it perfect ever. But what I have learned over the last year and a half or so of doing KI that I would probably go back and apply to dive kick is that I was a little too focused on character balance directly and trying to like make all the characters viable. But I think the real goal you should be looking to attain when you're balancing a competitive game is balancing the idea of risk versus reward. And if you follow that path, I think that might lead you to smarter answers across the board. You have to make wow. things that are safer, less effective, and you have to make things that are riskier, more effective. And unfortunately, in dive kick, that's really hard because every attack kills. That's really, really hard. So you can't really tune the reward. You can only tune the risk, uh, which I think if we continue down that path would probably start to make the characters feel a little more homogenous, uh, which is... Not good because I, I, I favor fun over balance as a design concept. I would rather people be having a great time than be playing a perfectly balanced game. And no, those two things aren't mutually exclusive, but it, the quest for balance can ruin some of your fun. It absolutely can. Yes, uh, We've seen, seen it many times where something people really love gets taken out in the name of balance, and there was probably a better way Street to Fighter balance that thing. Yeah, I didn't say it. You said it. Mm, Street Fighter 4. Uh, I'm going to say it right now. Street hey, Fighter hey, this- 4. The new challengers are in no way uh, affiliated with Capcom or any other developers, so we can say what we want. So, hey. That's right. Just Listen, so you're, you're bringing up some amazing concepts, and, and that goes into something yeah. that I wanted to ask you specifically about, Killer Instinct, because you, earlier you said you're talking about innovation, and you're talking about balancing it. The, the innovative thing that I see with Killer Instinct is, well, it's more of like a business model that affects the gameplay, because you have it in seasons, and the way you release new characters all the time, and the way you update the game and add new mechanics for every character you come out. You know, you, you bring out, you know, Asako or whatever, and it just plays different, or you rash that blew my mind from Battletoads. Blew my mind. So with, the, with that business concept that you guys have, uh, you know, season two, and, and always kind of releasing uh, these characters, you know, kind of spaced out, how does that affect the way you approach um, developing and continuing the game and affecting the balance of the game overall as you're releasing and always updating and changing the game as you go. Like, I think does it's that the future. A, does that, it is? Okay. Yeah, I think that's like, I think that's where all of this has to go. There's a lot of reasons too. Let's 
imagine that we're all fighting game players and that we know fighting games are really not easy to learn. I know it's a stretch uh, of the imagination, but let's go with it. Now, let's, let's imagine that this game comes out and it's got, let's say, like 22 characters in it. Or let's just uh, say 16 characters we'll, or whatever. We'll, we'll call it Fighting Man 4. <laughs> Fighting Man 4 has like 22 characters at launch. And it's fun and you're digging it. And uh, you got to learn, you know, you, if you pick one main character, you got to learn like 22 matchups. And uh, you got to perfect your character while learning all these matchups to just be really great at it. And then the new version drops and it's got 10 more characters in it and your character changed and all the other characters changed. Now you have to relearn 22 matchups and learn 10 new matchups. And there's a tournament next month and the game just came out. (laughs) What am I going to do? It's a huge shakeup. And I think that that's just like, not only is that a lot to ask of the players, but it's a lot to ask of the developer too, to be like, yeah, you get one chance to make this balanced and you don't get any data about it. You have to go, you have, you basically get what your QA found and what you saw at location tests. You don't have any real data about your game. You just kind of have to hope your intuition's good enough to make your game as balanced and fun as you can. Whereas when we do this season's model, break it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When we do this season's model, it's actually really interesting because we can drop, you know, we're dropping one character at a time. That's, that's like really, really, really interesting because everyone's focused at the same time on the same thing. So, you know, you got eight characters from season one, then TJ combo drops. And now everybody's trying to break TJ combo simultaneously. And everybody's learning the TJ combo matchup simultaneously. And everyone just gets there faster. So, yeah, I think the season's model is super interesting. Um, mainly because people get to digest one thing at a time rather than like we're talking about in fight man four or whatever we called it, having to digest redigest 22 matchups and then 10 more immediately for the tournament next month. It's like one character comes out at a time and everyone's focused on that one thing. Everyone's trying to break the one character. Everyone's learning to play as the one character. Everyone's learning to fight against the new character. And you just get to incrementally like add this new knowledge to yourself in a much much more gentle pace than when you get slammed with a huge, huge batch of new content, right? And that's not to say KI doesn't have a little of that. When when season two came out, we did like a season one rebalance uh, and we shook up, you know, some of the abilities of the season one characters. So there was some relearning that was necessary. Uh, And who's to say we won't do that for season three? Oh, no one knows. I know, but I'm not going to say. Yeah, but I, I think the season's model is really interesting uh, but moreover, I also think it's really important to the health of a game because it keeps people coming back and interested and it lets them learn the game at a much more reasonable pace as it grows. They get to grow with it, but it can make it even more challenging for someone jumping in late. Like when someone sees oh, KI yeah. season three and they decide to get the PC version or whatever. And now there are, you know, 18 some plus whatever season three characters are out characters to learn and matchups to learn. And uh, KI is particularly brutal because while the characters are very easy to learn to play compared to uh, some of the other games out there, the matchups are extremely difficult to learn to play. All right, well, I'm glad that we actually got your complete answer on that because that 
was really good insight, and I was wondering about that myself. I'm glad that Dreaded came up with that question. Yeah, KI characters are nuts because they're so, so different. And they, like you said, they all bring kind of their own new gimmicks or rule-breaking abilities to the table. And you can't really just learn two or three different game plans like you can with some uh, characters in some other games and just kind of make micro-adjustments to those. You have to learn almost entirely new game plans against most characters in the KI cast. So learning the matchups is the difficult part of being a great Killer Instinct player. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's not 50 characters. Or, yeah. <laughs> in the case of, I don't know, Fighter versus Fighter 4, you have like 93 characters, and you have three characters on each team, and you've got matchups for those, and you've got different assist types for whatever. It's cool. That's fine. Yeah. All right, so moving on <laughs> to happier subjects. Why is so much mourning here today? Um, we know there's going to be new content for Killer Instinct. You guys released that seasonally. Thank you very much. Do you have any new plans for Dive Kick or any other new projects that you'd like to talk about? There's still one more character coming for Dive Kick. There's been, oh. I will call, de- development hell trying to get some of these issues solved so we can get that character out the door, but it is coming pretty soon. Um, and then. I guess we'll have to discuss internally if if that will be the end of Dive Kick or not. I personally would love to do like a Dive Kick 2 in the future, but I don't want to do it anytime soon. I'd like to wait, you know, a good 5 or 6 years and and kind of let the version that's out there run its course a little more and and you know, find its way into more people's hands. The marketing isn't super strong, so uh, eventually through steam sales and other promotions it'll trickle into more people's hands and more people will realize oh even though this is a joke it's not a joke and uh, i would be interested in another kind of thing that'd be cool so hopefully once more yeah, of that happens you, we can discuss a sequel that'd be cool and also uh there's a lot of shakeup in the fgc right now and seeing as how it's basically like a love letter to the fgc the fgc is going to look different in about five years you know yeah, after be a next lot of gen and all these things happen <laughs> Exactly, yeah. that's and what I, I'm saying. I can include some more general jokes since the, some of the reviewers thought it was a little too inside baseball. Um, <laughs> but I kind of like that. I think there are people who, there are two kinds of people. Nothing, nothing more, only two. Type one, here's a joke they don't get, and they go, hey, I did not get that. Can you explain that to me? And then they learn something. And then type two, here's a joke they don't understand, and they go, eh, eh, and they kind of fake giggle and walk away because they're too embarrassed to admit they didn't get it. And that you, type, type two, two people, you guys are you guys are dumb. Uh, you need to get it together. <laughs> you only get to live once, and you shouldn't waste your time being embarrassed or judgmental. <laughs> you should just ask what it was about, and then you'll find out if you think it's funny afterwards. And if you still don't think it's funny, at least you learned something. And if you do think it's funny, and you learned something, double bonus. Woo! And I was just yes. hoping that the game would be kind of an invitation to ask those types of questions for people. Like, oh, why does... Why does Mr. N not get to put his arm around this this reporter lady? And then they ask uh, on the internet, and then some I had yeah, and then somebody it. will appear and say, you know, here's why this is funny, and then that person will either still think it's not funny or will think it's funny, and then they'll at least kind of get it and be introduced to the FGC culture a little more. And yeah, I was just hoping to introduce people to our culture a little more with that kind of stuff. And maybe it worked for some people, maybe it didn't. I don't know. I had fun doing it. That's all that really matters, I guess. Everybody thinks that joke is funny. Everybody I've ever told about that joke thinks it's hilarious. And yes, I've sent that video to several people. The joystick, the now defunct 
you know, blog accused us of fat shaming Mr. N. It's like, guys, we're not shaming him because he's fat. We're shaming him because he's a scumbag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he could be a skinny scumbag and we'd do the same things. Uh, and it's, it's like yeah, the, the guy who Mr. N is based on, his name is in the credits. We struck a deal with him to put him in the game. It's not like, you know, this wasn't something we all discussed and, and did. And e- even, even that guy was making fun of the Joysticks article on Twitter and stuff. So it's just like, yeah. Way to do your research. <laughs> yeah. Markman's hover hand. I like that. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Very subtle. But if you don't like, <laughs> if you don't get the references, they're still just cartoon characters doing goofy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and right. I think I, I wish some more reviewers had looked at it like that instead of you know saying this is an inside joke I don't get. Just be like, oh, these these goofy cartoon characters—they're doing weird things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why it's any different than watching any brand new cartoon or whatever, or playing any brand new game. You didn't know who Ryu was when you first played Street Fighter, and now you know who Ryu is. And, you know, maybe you don't know who Mr. N is, but maybe you played Dive Kick a couple times, and now you know who Mr. N is. He's a scumbag. Yeah. Yes, he is. (laughs) So, okay, there's something I wanted to ask you going back to Killer Instinct here. You are the combat designer for that game, correct? Or yes, my uh, I think my official title is lead combat designer okay, of season so, two and season three. So you're the lead combat designer of season two and season three. Mm-hmm. What exactly does that title entail? Like, what do you do that you can talk about? Yeah, so some inside video game industry stuff. Uh, usually the word lead in front of a title just means you're also a manager. Um, so not only am I a combat designer but I also have a small team of combat designers who work with me, who I'm responsible for. So, you know, if they don't meet their deadlines, that's my, my fault. So I, you know, I use my Management 101 lessons. Management 101 says, if your employees fail, it's their fault. And if your employees succeed, it's your fault. Hmm. So uh, <laughs> I just take credit for everything. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> take blame for everything. Yeah. Pass the blame, keep the credit, you know. Yeah, I, I got three guys who work with me on combat design for KI on the Iron Galaxy side, and there are a couple uh, design consultants on the Microsoft side who also work with us a, a bit on combat design as well. Now, my day-to-day work is like, uh, I would say, maybe 10% management of just like checking in with my team, seeing what they're doing, seeing if they're on task, seeing if they're stuck uh, on any particular things, and, and if they're stuck, we call that being blocked. If they're blocked, what's blocking them, you know? Like, maybe I'm supposed to put in this new move for this character we're building, but the animation's not done. So I can't put in the move. So now I'm blocked, right? And then we try and figure out what other tasks you can do that aren't blocked and how to get you unblocked by getting this animation to you faster or whatever, right? There are a ton of things that could block you. So I spend, like, 10% of my time doing that. I probably spend another 15 to 20% of my time uh, in a week in meetings, so the lead is going to take a lot meetings. more meetings than everybody else on the team, uh, just trying to coordinate with the other disciplines. I, we're the design discipline, but there's also animation and modeling and rigging and sound and engineering. And we all have to coordinate all, all, all the things we do to make sure we don't block each other and to make sure that our work is cohesive and coherent and functioning and fun and all that stuff, right? And then the rest of my work is, is combat scripting. Uh, we have a scripting system that allows us to basically build moves and behavior we drop animations in we time them out 
we add, you know, hitboxes and other behaviors to the moves, like the cancel windows and, and all the esoteric, really complicated things that you don't want to think about when you're just trying to enjoy a game. And it's basically like the coolest set of Legos ever for me. Uh, I just, I'm building cool moves in a fighting game, and that seven-year-old me would be very proud. <laughs> it's really, awesome. really fun, and it's the coolest thing ever, and there's not much else I can say about it other than that. That, that sounds killer. Best. That sounds really killer. I love it. Actually, I love it. could I maybe pull a little bit of information at you about Killer Instinct real quick? Just real quick. One more Sure, piece. what you need. Okay. Killer Instinct has been around for a long time as an intellectual property. Yeah. Okay, so what is it like working with an older intellectual property, and how important was it for you to capture the charm and play of the older game while still keeping it relevant to modern fighting games? I'm probably not the right person to answer that because I did not work on Season 1. And okay. KI is a very weird project because it's maybe the only game or one of the very few games that's ever been released that then changed developer hands and continued being worked on. Hmm. Um, ah. Very, very strange. So... Microsoft and Double Helix were responsible for reinvigorating the Killer Instinct IP and, and modernizing it and deciding what aspects to keep and what aspects to change, right? And then it came into our hands, and the style of the game has already been set, so we just follow suit. If I had to answer those questions from the beginning, I, I don't know if I would have come to the exact same answers that they came to, uh, but I do love what Killer Instinct is, uh, this new version of Killer Instinct. I, I love pretty much everything about it. I think it's beautiful. It feels amazing. It's super fun. Uh, I think the combo breaker and counter breaker dynamics are expertly crafted. And they're so mind-altering to me and how expertly they are crafted that I no longer can enjoy fighting games that don't have them. They're just, they're like a necessity to me. Uh, I, I can't believe we went this long playing games without this kind of mechanic. And I was one of those people who hated wow. the idea of combo breakers back in the day. I thought it was really stupid. And that's just because the implementation of them in KI 1 and 2 was not really well thought out. But this implementation is so well thought out that I just I, I watch a stream for another game and I see a character do even a short 6 or 8 hit combo like three times in the same match and it's the same combo every time and I'm just groaning out loud. Like, please stop. <laughs> Give this player incentive to do a, something different. Please yeah, I'm so spoiled by it. I just love it so much. And uh, I feel very lucky to be, you know, put in the position to work on it and, and you know, massage that formula to make it as great as it can be. And, um, yeah, KI is awesome. Awesome. But, yeah, working with an old well, IP, awesome. Battletoads, <laughs> that's crazy, yes. right? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually a huge Battletoads fan. I'm one of the few people who you would have asked before Rare Replay came out that has played and beaten Battletoads Arcade, and that game is super rare. Uh, Battletoads, man, to, for for them to to come to us and be like, we want you to basically revive the Battletoads franchise as a fighting game character that's been dead for 20 years. That had my heart a flutter. I was super oh, pumped about that. You know, we were doing the design meetings about the gameplay, and I was just like, no, it's got to be like this because of the old games. And here's all this reference from the old games that would make amazing fighting game moves. And I swear, man, that character just like built himself uh, combat design wise. <laughs> it was just so, it was so obvious to us, like what he needed to be and how to get there because of all the excellent source material in the old Battletoads games. Uh, and then the animation yeah, like and, and modeling teams. 
Oh, totally. And then the animation and modeling teams blew it out of the water. Holy crap, right? Yeah. He looks incredible. <laughs> he looks so damn good. Wrecking his ball. smile is oh. just – oh, his smile's perfect. Uh, the voice actor nailed it too. He, he sounds amazing. Uh, he's very perfect storm of, of just perfection to me in terms of all the disciplines coming together, uh, you know, sound and – and uh, combat design and animation and modeling and all that. Just like pff, perfect character. Amazing. I mean, awesome. I freaked out when I saw Sarah Bella do the ram horn thing in uh, Skullgirls. I was like, oh, man, that's Battletoads. I remember that. Yeah, it's a cute you, reference. Then you went ahead and just put him in the game. Like, all right. Sorry, that was Skullgirls. funny. There are people on the forums. They're like, oh, why are the ram horns upside down? Don't you know what a ram looks like? I'm just like, oh, man, go play Battletoads. <laughs> They're upside down in that too. <laughs> Killing it. Oh Not man. Okay, oh well, internet. What will you ever learn? That is fantastic, Never. sir. So okay. Yeah. What games are you playing right now? Besides, if we may switch uh, from Keats the yeah, now I'm playing the Dev to game. Keats the Gamer at heart. Yes. So I'll tell you what my favorite game is in the last probably five or six years. It's called Super Monday Night Combat. Oh yeah! Yes. I just I, I I've been oh. crying for like a year or so about the game kind of being dead and no one playing it anymore. But apparently, if you're willing to play Turbo Cross mode instead of Super Cross mode, uh, which is a little bit different but still fun, uh, you can find players. So I've been playing that the last few days, and that's made me really happy because I I'm like on the hunt for something to replace Super Monday Night, Com- Super Monday Night Combat for me, like something that is that perfect. And, and hit so many of those notes for me, and I just can't find it. I can't find it anywhere. I'm even in a few betas of things that seemed interesting on the surface for me that just, uh, they're good, but they're not hitting the notes Super Monday Night Combat hit for me at all. So I'm playing the, that again. Just, you're not feeling the robot just, mode in Team Fortress 2? Uh, no, Team Fortress 2 doesn't hit the same notes for me at all. Never has. Super Monday Night Combat is uh, a little slower. The characters aren't as you know fast and bouncy and all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still fast. And then it's got kind of a MOBA flavor to it, even though it's an action game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two lanes instead of three lanes, and you have to push your bots up the lane to take down the turrets and then take down the money ball at the end of the lane. Uh, and there's like a jungle with you know neutral monsters in it, and it's got a, it's got a lot of MOBA flavor. And then the other thing that I really like about it is it's got like Street Fighter style throws. Yes. Yes. Um, and when you grab somebody, there's two types of throws. There's a damage throw that does more damage and leaves them close to you. And there's a, a toss throw that does less damage but throws them away. Um, but while you're in a grapple, both players are still vulnerable. So in a two-on-one situation, if uh, I grab you, my teammate can start shooting you while I'm doing my damage grab and finish you off. Uh, or if it's you know two on one the other way and I'm solo and I try and grab one of you, I'm done because your teammate will just shoot the crap out of me. Um, and then all the levels have ring outs, kind of like Virtua Fighter, so you can actually throw people off the stage and get a kill that way, hmm. which is awesome when you're like level 7 and your opponent's level 11 or something because they've way out-leveled you and you just chuck them off the stage. Levels don't care about that. <laughs> uh, it's super fun, man. I just I love the game way way so much, and uh, awesome. wish more people played it. I think they had some problems when they launched it, like they did an accidental launch. They accidentally launched it on Steam before they were ready. Maybe it was a little too uh, unpolished and rocky at that moment to to keep players retained. 
Uh, but it's damn polished now. I'll tell you that. And it hasn't been updated since 2013, but it is, the servers are still live and it is still fun and it's still free to play on steam. So, uh, play super okay, running that cool. combat. I might have Here's to hoping it. for super Tuesday night combat anytime. In the yeah. Or if they just uh, port it to Xbox one and PS4 and just launch, you know, relaunch it. That would be, that would be awesome too. But yeah, the other games I've been be, playing uh, are just, uh, play a lot of KI and, you know, I tried the Street Fighter V beta, and I've just been playing the freebies that I get every month with uh, Games with Gold on Xbox One and uh, PlayStation Plus on PS4. So whatever they give me free for the month, that's kind of what I try and see if okay. I like it. Yeah, that's all I've been playing. Oh, cool. Well, if I might ask, I mean, I don't know how much you know, attention you pay to upcoming games, but you, you mentioned it. You know, what's your... What's your take on upcoming big title fighting games such as Street Fighter V or Tekken 7 or whatever whatever have you? What's, what's your take on those? Um, I've been bored of Tekken for a very long time, and I and Tekken 7 doesn't look to reinvigorate enough to grab my interest. I just feel uh, so much would, better about myself right now. I would describe yeah. myself as easily he he bored. I would describe we myself as easily bored. Yeah, I'm, I'm a very okay. easily bored guy. I crave innovation and new experiences. And Tekken's a little stale for me. Man, you don't want to play Tekken uh, 3 over and over again? Come on. I think it's a great game. It's yeah. really well-crafted. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Harada. Uh, I think he's awesome. Um, I'm really interested in trying Pokken, the Pokemon fighting game that he's involved with, because I think that has some really <laughs> interesting ideas. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it has is, super is interesting indeed. ideas. That's what I was talking about earlier in the show, is I want to see people experiment and try new things. And that game really is trying some new things. It's got like... Uh, a free roaming mode and a 2D fighting game mode that you kind of interchange out of while you play. I don't know, super cool. I don't know if it's you know super super well executed yet because I haven't played it, but I certainly enjoyed watching the exhibition tournament during the Pokemon Championships a couple weeks ago. Um, super super interesting stuff. Other fighting game. What other fighting games are coming out? Street Fighter Five. Well, fun. I mean, give us- uh, okay. I like Ki better, but uh, I'll still probably oh, play me, Street Fighter you know. Five. <laughs> Troll people with Armika or something. Um, Dengeki Bunko Fighting Climax is coming out. I <laughs> yeah, I'll probably try it at friend's house or something. But. Yeah, it's, okay, uh, okay, it's interesting. We we um, gave it a shot at a conference. I know that. Uh, yeah, you put well, you but the Pocket Rumble people put Kick into Pocket Rumble. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I've played Pocket Rumble uh, beta builds and stuff, and I think it's coming along nicely. It's pretty fun. Played some of the Rising Thunder Alpha. I think that's pretty fun. A lot more of these companies are getting the feel right than ever before. Mm. Like, you just pick up the game to play, and you're just like, oh, yeah, that, this feels really good. It's responsive. My, my character can move, that kind of stuff. Uh, so hopefully nice. they just get the rest of the package right. You know, good netcode, that's a must today. Um, Mm. and then you got to have nice presentation. You got to have fun, diverse characters. You got to have, you know, at least decent balance. Your balance doesn't have to be perfect, but if the game's fun, it doesn't really matter as much. I'm excited to play all the things my peers are cooking up and, and, uh, just learn more and more about the genre and try new things in the future myself. Maybe I'll get to do something more experiments like in the future again, like dive kick was. You know, flying the face of the experimentation thing, Yadagarasu just kind of was like, yeah, we're not doing that. We're just going to give you a retro good game, and I, I played it. And yeah, it's a good game, but it, it, like you said, it's, it's extremely dry. Yeah, it's, uh, all the characters are very basic, and uh, yeah, it's just it, it, it doesn't really give you anything new to chew on, does it? 
No, and I'm a really huge fan of King of Fighters, so I had really high hopes for the game. And I, I like playing as Jet. I like playing mm-hmm. as uh, the Charge character with the sword. I forget her name. One of yep. the twins. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't really excite me, like just actually playing KOF 13 doesn't excite yeah. me like watching the new stuff for street fighter 5 or even playing dive kick excites me more it's like these characters the designs are cool but the flavor is just not there yeah, yeah i think flavor is super important um i actually use that word a lot in design meetings <laughs> a little spice yep I, I do have to tell you i mean uh, I know we're probably gonna wrap up soon but um just to tell you sir some of the hypest some of the most fun Tournaments that we've ever thrown have been with dive kick. We have some just ridiculous memories of, of doing dive kick because like everyone who entered, we just like convinced them to enter and we spent about three minutes explaining the game and then threw them all in there. And ha- we had probably some of the, the, the most fun because we did one at a, at a convention uh, mm-hmm. and we convinced them to give us, give us a system and a time frame, And we ran this thing and there was a whole, whole crowd of people going nuts uh so i want to thank you for those memories because that was that was a whole lot of fun and uh, yeah we're gonna try to do it again at onicon here i gotta send a message yeah down in galveston yeah but uh Um, weekend halloween weekend we also listening is in the texas area we also want to thank you for sending us those keys for dive kick so we can hand them over to some of the uso center guys so we can spread the dive kick love here overseas Thank yeah. you for your support and all that. Really great. Well, thank really you guys for your that. your support. You know, I I super appreciate you guys uh, showing us some love and and loving our work and and I just hope we can keep making good games for you. And I just want to say, as a black guy, thank you for designing a cool <laughs> black character for me to dress up as. That's not. There aren't very many white people. <laughs> there are not very many white people in Dive Kick or Ki. Are there? No, and I really. I'm not, I don't want to make this a whole issue of race, but it's just really cool for me to play a game and look at a character and say, hey, I can freestyle rap. Hey, I can pretend to be a ladies' man. I can be kicked. I can do yeah. that. That's a really good So I, this, is, this is huge trade secret for writing and character creation. But as it turns out, the secret to writing like, you know, characters of other genders or races is just to write them like normal people. That's all you have oh, to do. Man. You mean, I know, wait right? a minute, wait a minute. You don't have to make them like Mike Tyson or Billy Blanks? You don't have to do no, that? No, you just oh, you, no. You write, the, you write the character as a person of no race and no gender, and then you can fill in the blanks later because as long as they are motivated by actual like things that a character would be motivated by that aren't just stereotypes, your character will work and be convincing. And it's like, yeah, it's not Yo, that hard. So angry. I don't know, angry. I don't know what the hangup is. We need to get in the shelter. All for these me, for me, my off around us. <laughs> my my hang up in storytelling because I love movies and TV and stuff is is female characters. It's like Ooh. I want to see female characters who are motivated by motivations, not motivated by men. And it's so tiring over and over again to see so many female characters on so many shows who just like all they ever talk about or think about is like which boy they're gonna kiss. <laughs> Black Widow. <laughs> it's like. It's like stop. <laughs> Give the character some depth, for the love of God. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that that I mean, romance is important. That should be an aspect of it if that's what you want your character to do. But there should be more. Like, Game of Thrones is a great example. Like every single character on that, no matter 
what their you know race, gender, sexual orientation is. They're all extremely compelling and motivated characters. They make decisions that the character would make if they were real because they have mo- you know real underlying motivations. And they're all so convincing and they sell so well because of that. I just wish more writers would just do that. And, you know, Dive Kick is a game full of stupid, silly stereotypes, and we're making fun of an entire genre, which is based on stereotypes. But we still tried to, you know, make the female characters compelling and give them actual motivations for things and and just make every single character make sense within the context of, you know, the silly parody world of Dive Kick. I'd like to do another game in the universe of Dive Kick that isn't Dive Kick, where, like, maybe Uncle Sensei shows up or something. That'd be really fun. Something like Death Punch. Yeah, well, just like maybe not even a fighting game. Maybe maybe a game that like dissects another genre. Uh, oh, okay. But takes place in the same universe or something. I think that would be a really fun challenge. That would be an interesting thing. That would be interesting. Yeah. I like I like I like where your mind's going. Yeah, it doesn't have to be another version of Dive Kick. Just to it could be in the Dive Kick universe and. You know, Mr. N could show up as a playable character or something, so that it connects them, but they don't really have to be that related. <laughs> All right. Well, you've given us a lot of great information here today, Keats. We really appreciate you being on our small little show. Um, well, I appreciate you having me. It's Labor Day over here, so we got the day off, and I figure why not uh, hang out with some cool guys who are fans of the work. We are huge fans of yours. Huge fans. And if you've ever heard any of our other podcasts... We just really like talking about fighting games. We love the genre. We really want to spread the love, and we will continue spreading the dive kick love. I will continue dressing up as kick and hitting on other lady cosplayers and freestyle rapping with Excellent. every single person dressed up as Metal Fingers Doom. Do you drop the mic often? I ha- one time I actually dropped the mic, and the guy caught it and spit so much hot fire at me that I... Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I have a video of it. I have videos of all of our tournaments we've done for Dive Kick, videos of me rapping as Kick with other people. Uh, I was actually rapping with a cosplayer who was was, uh, dressed up as Sean, so that was pretty cool, Sean from Street Fighter. That's awesome. That's so so cool. That is uh, you, sir, are a great man. You have a lot of great opinions. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Hey, I would. I just did. I went there, and I'm not coming back, okay? All right. Yeah. So, dreaded. you can't go where angry goes. Yes. Do you? Man, have... thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, I really appreciate it. My pleasure, fellas. You know what? I'm gonna make a request. Um, we'd really like to have you again one day, any any day. It was good for you. And we wanna. I really want to talk about what you were talking about before the uh, button mashing deal and stuff like that, and character design. Something we just got into at the end of the discussion there. So, just something. Yeah. To yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's yeah think about it for a few months and come up with some interesting design po- uh, discussion points and, and uh, let's meet again and talk about it. Sounds good to me, sir. All right, well, if that's all we've got for today, uh, we're going to close it out as we normally do. Dreaded, would you please? Until the next challenge. Thank you very much and have a great night, everyone.